Darth Vader is one of the most iconic villains in cinema history. Let's break down the roots of the character Anakin Skywalker and what led him to become Darth Vader in this episode of Evil Explored. Hello, movie friends, and welcome back to another episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today, we're going to do a character study of Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker. We really enjoyed the Anton Chigurh Analyzing Evil episode we did, and a lot of you had some great feedback for it. So we're going to... We did Joker as well. Joker as well. So we're going to keep doing this series, but now we're calling it Evil Explored. Evil Explored. And Darth Vader, obviously, is one of the most iconic characters in film history, as well as Anakin Skywalker. Now, Darth Vader was named by the AFI Film Institute as the third greatest movie villain in cinema history. Guess who he's behind? Let's see. Hannibal Lecter? Yes. And uh, Norman Bates. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, behind only Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates. And psychiatrists have studied the character, and they now use it in, in class to teach students useful examples of explaining borderline personality disorder to medical students. And, I mean, let's talk about what makes Darth Vader such an iconic character and an iconic villain at number three on the list all time. And I think it's the complexity of the character as well as stretching his arc and making him the most important character in the Star Wars franchise, in my opinion. I think Luke gets a lot of credit for being like the hero. Saving the day. But in terms of importance of the character, the chosen one, the person who brought balance to the Force and the Empire... It's Anakin Skywalker. He's the prophesied chosen one, and we'll discover and talk about his origins and how he was born without a real father. How did that happen? He has no father. <laughs> how Immacul- did that happen, Shmi? Immaculate conception in the Star Wars lore, which is fascinating as hell. Not to mention his pop culture relevance. Not only was he just so massive in 1977 when A New Hope came out, but still today, he's as relevant as ever, if not even more popular. And in terms of pop culture, uh, you talk even merchandise. An aspect that makes him one of the all-time villains is his look. Yeah, that costume, the mask, the red saber, the cape. You know, these are all things that add to the character and make him so memorable and so legendary. There have now been so many different variations and explorations of the character in different formats of of film and television that it seems to be a character that will always be mined for material. And then just just on my research of looking, I was curious, what was Anakin doing between episodes one and two, and then between episodes two and three? But then also, it was really fascinating to find out what Vader was doing between episodes three and four. And there's a ton of story, a lot of things that help explain a little bit more of his character. Because I remember being a kid and Darth Vader just being this, like, spooky villain and very scary and... Just being like everybody talked about Vader, Darth Vader is like the biggest movie villain ever. And then we grew up with the prequel trilogy. And I remember Anakin getting a lot of flack from the press and from fans, uh, judging his performance and basically ridiculing... You mean Hayden? Hayden Christensen, his performance, but also the writing of the character. And I've now learned that the character is fleshed out a lot more in Rebels and Clone Wars. And we have so many friends who are always like, watch Clone Wars and Rebels, do it, do it. Um, I might get around to it one day, but it's it's good to know that uh, the the character was fleshed out in an amazing way that made big fans really happy about it. And it's a character who has such a massive rise and even meteoric fall in terms of good to evil, light and dark. This child born as a slave 
becomes a slave of the Jedi, you could say, but is also the most powerful with the Force there ever was, you could argue, as well as and then turning to the dark side out of love and fear and just becoming so evil as Darth Vader and being responsible for the death of billions of people around the galaxy, you could argue, being a, having his hand on the destructions <laughs> yeah. of destruction of entire planets and peoples. As well as obviously, like I think there's 51 movie movie deaths he's responsible for, like himself that actually. See, yeah. That we see, the the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker is why it's such a fascinating story. This great tragedy that's up there with like Shakespearean characters, and it's so fascinating and interesting that a character that dense exists in this world of space fantasy. It's it's really incredible what George Lucas came up with with this character and the story and. You know, having a lot of these ideas in his head way back in the 1970s of what he wanted to do with the future of this story and this character of Anakin Skywalker. And like I said, when we grew up, it was always Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker. But Anakin Skywalker over the last like 15 years and this century, really, since the prequel trilogy came out, has become a massive character with fan popularity. I mean, his, his hashtags whenever we make a video have billions, <laughs> billions of videos and billions of views. A very popular character. Maybe the most talked about in the Star Wars franchise. And the century, I would, say, I would say for sure, without a doubt. Hayden and Anakin have become extremely popular on social media. And it's interesting because it was quite the opposite when we were kids. You know what I mean? It's funny to see that contrast and how people who grew up with the films that now adore them and i think they've kind of turned the opinion of public opinion and and the character of the fall from grace we've seen it many times before but in terms of the the six film arc i think that's the strongest part of the entire story and when you watch them all in order it's really interesting but it all it all stemmed from you know a character in the first film he had this cool suit and he had this strange voice in the second film in empire strikes back they fleshed him out so much more and I think that's the strongest interpretation of Vader, in my opinion, is the Empire Strikes Back Vader. I think so, too. I mean, it's the best Star Wars movie, and the design is so awesome. And now I got a little details, a few Ooh. details on the design. Now, Vader was not initially conceived of as wearing a helmet. The idea that he should wear a breathing apparatus was first proposed by concept artist Ralph McQuarrie, who we all know did tons of great mock-ups and designs for the film to get a greenlit. During pre-production discussions for Star Wars, with Lucas in 1975, according to McQuarrie, Lucas directed him to portray a malevolent figure in a cape with samurai armor. George said he would like to have a very tall, dark, fluttering figure that had a spooky feeling like it came out, came in on the wind. Because the script indicated that Vader would be, travel between spaceships and needed to survive in the vacuum of space, McQuarrie proposed that Vader should wear a spacesuit. Lucas agreed, and Quarry, McQuarrie combined a full-face breathing mask with a samurai helmet, thus creating one of the space fantasy cinema's most iconic designs. McQuarrie's 1975 production painting of Vader engaged in lightsaber duel with Dark Star Killer depicts the former wearing black armor, a flowing cape, and an elongated skull-like mask and helmet. This initially... This initial design by McQuarrie was relatively close to Vader's final depiction. Working for McQuarrie's designs, costume designer John Mole devised an outfit that could be worn by an actor on screen using a combination of clerical robes, a motorcycle suit, a German military helmet, and a military gas mask. The prop sculptor Brian Muir created the helmet and armor used in the film. Vader's chest plate includes Hebrew characters, some of which are upside down, and may constitute gibberish or jabber about redemption. The sound of the respirator function of Vader's mask was created by Ben Burtt, 
using modified recordings of scuba breathing apparatus used by divers. <laughs> now, Ben Burtt's the genius behind the sound design of all The of saber these. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, he did all the sound design of uh -huh. the original trilogy. One of the best sound designers ever. The sound effect is trademarked in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office under trademark 7741925 and is officially described in the documentation as the sound of rhythmic mechanical human breathing created by breathing through a scuba tank regulator. Commentators have often pointed to the influence of Akira Kurosawa's films such as The Hidden Fortress on George Lucas and Vader's samurai-inspired costume design is held up as a significant example of the Japanese influence on Star Wars. The motorcycle suit makes a lot of sense. It looks, it does have that feel to it. Now, explaining, you know, you said, you mentioned earlier, it's very interesting how Anakin was born without a father and how he is the most powerful force user. And this is because he's a virgin's. Now, a virgence is sometimes described as a force nexus, a nexus, or a locus, which is an unusual yet naturally occurring concentration of force energy localized around a place, an object, or a person. It's kind of like a horcrux. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've seen virgences before. The cave of evil, the one that Luke walks into to confront his father, that was a virgence, and that's an evil virgence of force evil kept alive in a location. Now, the individual Anakin Skywalker was also a virgin, as was the mountain around which the Sith Shrine and the Jedi Temple on Coruscant were built. That mountain was a locus of power which attracted force wielders of various beliefs and was, and was deemed sacred by the locals. So this is why Anakin is so powerful, because he's not just like another Jedi who's force-sensitive or very talented. He is an extreme thing called a virgin, which I find, just find so fascinating. Well, he's also, he was created. Uh -huh. Now, Anakin's mother told him that he had no father. Immaculate Conception writes, And Qui-Gon Jinn judged that the only way Anakin Skywalker could possess his concentration of midi-chlorians, of which he has 20,000, higher than Yoda, was if they created him themselves inside Shmi Skywalker's room, making Anakin the chosen one, prophesied to one day emerge to bring balance to the Force. Now, the comic Darth Vader number 25 confirms that Anakin Skywalker was the result of the dark side midi-chlorian manipulation inside of Shmi Skywalker's room performed personally by Emperor Palpatine. And for those who might wonder how Anakin would actually be able to learn such an earth-shattering truth, without suspicion of it being father manipulated by his Sith Master, the circumstances of the story help explain. The story suggested that Darth Plagueis, Plagueis and Darth Sidious reached out through the Force to try to create a child that they could use as an ultimate weapon. But the midi-chlorians, sensing this attempt, foiled their plans to create a child that would bring about the end of the Sith instead. So, mm. he was created by the dark side, by Palpatine and Plagueis, to be the ultimate weapon, and ironically, it backfired on them. Just until, like Voldemort. Un, until Disney bought it. Just like Voldemort. In a lot of ways. He created the perfect weapon to use against him. Well, so yeah, the yeah, Sith yeah, created yeah. the perfect weapon to use against themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but they were trying to create a weapon. Yeah. Voldemort yeah. wasn't trying to create a weapon. True, 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 true. Yeah. So not really. You should probably stop bringing up Harry Potter. Anthony. It was an this accident. Star Wars. People are going to get upset. So just no more Harry Potter. <laughs> All right? That had nothing to do with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that... Uh, Anakin, his story does have the Jesus motif of uh, born without a father, immaculate conception, powerful, unexplained powers, and a destiny to save a people. And so I love how Lucas pulled from 
so many narrative and cultural ideas. You get the samurai with the design. You get uh, the Christian Jesus story with the background of the character. And then you even get um, you know, a slavery-inspired story with Anakin's childhood as a slave. And so I think that's what makes the character so rich and detailed is the well of uh, themes and ideas that George Lucas pulled from to create the foundation of Anakin. Let's go over the prophecy now, an ancient Jedi prophecy made by an ancient Jedi mystic and recorded on a holocron foretold that the Chosen One would restore balance to the Force by destroying the Sith. The prophecy also predicted that the Chosen One would also become one of the strongest Force sensitives in the galaxy, rivaling the power of most legendary champions of the Jedi Order, like Yoda and Mace Windu. Although the Jedi had long, long spoken of balance in the Force, there was no consensus of what that meant for the galaxy. Some people thought that the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force had to be equal in order to create that balance, while others believed that the light could be the Force in its natural state, making the dark side the cause of imbalance. In contrast of the Jedi's view of balance, the Sith Lord Darth Sidious believed that the dark side needed to be free and the light side suppressed in order to achieve balance in the Force. The Chosen One was the central figure in this Jedi prophecy. Now, the Chosen One was born during the era of the Galactic Republic. Anakin Skywalker, the son of Shmi Skywalker, was exceptionally strong with the Force, possessing an unprecedented level of more than 20,000 midichlorians in his blood. As a result, Skywalker had the, had the potential to be the most powerful Jedi in galactic history. Discovered by Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn in 32 BBY, Skywalker joined the Jedi Order and ascended to the, to the rank of Jedi Knight following his apprenticeship with Obi-Wan Kenobi. During the Clone Wars, however, the manipulations of Darth Sidious, Skywalker turned to the dark side of the Force and became the Sith Lord Darth Vader in 19 BBY. He then participated in the systematic, in the systematic purge that rendered the Jedi virtually extinct. With the Galactic Empire rising to dominate the galaxy, Kenobi endeavored to train Vader's child. Luke Skywalker, believing the prophecy would be fulfilled by the son instead of the father. However, Luke believed that his father could be turned back into the light side of the Force during the Battle of Endor in 4 ABY. Vader sacrificed himself by destroying his Sith Master in order to save his son Luke. The deaths of the last two Sith Lords fulfilled the Jedi prophecy, restoring balance to the Force. With his destiny complete, the Chosen One passed into the Force as Anakin Skywalker. It's interesting that even Obi-Wan, he gave up hope that there were still any good left in Anakin to maintain the prophecy of his life. But Luke was the one who saw that still inside of him. And so it's interesting that Obi-Wan was wrong about that because he's like, oh, maybe it's about the son of Anakin who the prophecy is about. I mean, he saw he saw Anakin do some terrible things. He did. <laughs> and knew Anakin did some terrible things. You've done things. really terrible things, Angie. Really, really terrible. Really terrible things. <laughs> You spent a fortune. You spent a fortune. I really liked the prequel, uh, the first one. And as a kid, I think it was smart for George Lucas to cast Anakin as a child and not a teenager. Connecting the story to kids and children like us when we were nine or eight when it came out. I think it was vital for the survival of the franchise. And now it's obviously worked because kids from the 90s adore the films now. But there's something about watching... This evil character, this legendary icon of villains as a child, 
And that's what's really interesting about watching the entirety of the prequel trilogy, but especially the first one because he's he's got so many great qualities. Little Anakin, he's funny, he's cute, he's smart, he's very intuitive, um, he's an engineering genius in Marvel, and yet you know he's going to be Vader one day. And I find that to be one of the most alluring parts about Phantom Menace. I don't think I really fully grasped that concept when we saw it. Like, we were eight years old. Yeah. I didn't really understand Star Wars too much, and I had heard of Darth Vader, obviously, and probably seen those movies when I was a kid, but I, I couldn't understand the, the weight and the scope of what that meant that this kid would become Darth Vader because I thought he was just this little hero, this little Anakin Skywalker. Pod racing he was, hero. Pod racing, the man, he's the slave, but, like, he escapes. He, he's going to become a Jedi. I thought it was so cool. But, like, when you go back and watch them, obviously, now, and you watch it from a different perspective of knowing the weight of what Darth Vader is and who he becomes, you're right, it's really enthralling. Yeah, and I, one of the problems with the prequels, however, is because there are such big gaps between each story, we're talking several years between one and two and then several more years between two and three. My, Annie, how you've grown. Exactly. <laughs> There's two. Sometimes it's like it would have been nice to see a little bit more of Anakin's development, so maybe they could have maybe put in some more stuff of him. For example, like building his own saber and training and and being a tra being a, a master to another Padawan. Obviously, that's explored with um, the Clone Wars and Rebels, but I think sometimes a detriment to the prequels is the lack of exposition for the character. It would have helped, I think, in terms of the portrayal, in terms of people understanding what Hayden Christensen was doing, probably. I'm sure he knew a lot more than audiences did about the character back then. But there's some really cool things about Anakin as a kid, as a teenager, um, these tests that he's put into, these missions that he goes on with Obi-Wan. Uh, there's a moment where he goes on this crazy mission to save Yoda, but it ended up being a test the whole time, and they were testing to see whether Anakin and Obi-Wan could work well together as a team because they often bickered. And so that, like things like that are just really cool stories and, and tidbits about the character. He also did some pretty gnarly things. During the Clone Wars, sometimes he would he would step over that that line and toe over the edge between good and evil to get something that he not for malicious intent, but there's an example when uh, Ahsoka was poisoned and so he force strangled someone to get the right information out of them. So he often he told that line, but it was often motivated for good reasons like protecting someone he loved um, and trying to do something good. But he did often break that line of the Jedi Order in the way they're supposed to behave and react in situations of conflict. And yet he was always motivated out of out of love in a way. And fear, which is obviously the most powerful emotion that can lead you to the dark side. So it's really interesting to see, looking into it without having seen those shows, to see the little things that he would do that showcase that side to his character, that nature um, of that brewing evil and the vulnerability and the nuanced um, insecurity that would eventually lead him to break completely into the dark side. Yeah, love is a huge concept with Anakin Skywalker, and Jedi are often usually taught to let go of love and emotions like that, and emotions that lead to fear and that lead to the dark side. And, you know, Anakin's love for his mother and his love for Padme, I think, really lead to his downfall. His love for his mother caused him to act out in that murderous rage of vengeance on the Tusken Raiders in the episode two. And then his love for Padme led him to losing her and fear losing her and do anything to save her and be coerced by the dark side 
to prevent her prevent her death because he couldn't live without her in his mind. So love is one of the main reasons why Anakin falls to the dark side. But you could also argue that the Jedi are ignorant in a way of not embracing love and learning to control it versus just ignoring it or putting it out or just you know letting it go which is i it's I mean, interesting because it does lead to the downfall of of obviously their greatest potential warrior and jedi and which is one of the reasons why he's not promoted to the rank of master jedi master because uh he's too aggressive because they want him to spy on palpatine but also you could argue that the jedi council fear anakin i mean you could say that but also the stoicism and monk-like ideology of the jedi it's maintained it's it's uh, power for so long, and it's mentioned multiple times. You know, the possibility of training Anakin would be a would be a mistake because he's too old. Uh, the council initially rejected him because they already knew he had the attachment. So, it's important to take younglings when they're so young they really can't remember any connections they may have had, and especially if they don't have any connections, the better. So, Anakin being nine, eight or nine when he entered the council. And they'd rejected him at first. I think they understood that, you know, to maintain the ideology, he's too old. And we can't trust that. So I think the ideology works. The monk-like um, approach to life, I think that does work for the Jedi. But Anakin was an example of when they're too old, it's risky. Because uh, when he, and, and when he uh, addressed Obi-Wan about what his childhood was like, Obi-Wan actually can't even remember his childhood because he was taken by the Jedi when he was so young. He has no memory, so he had no connections. And if you're raised from being maybe even a toddler into this ideological, spiritual, monk-like world, that's going to be your life, and you'll be open to that so effortlessly. There's nothing that's going to pull you away from that, unlike Anakin, who had already emotional attachments to his mother that pulled him away from the, that constantly was trying to pull him away. And that emotional connection to a human being also led him to craving another connection to a human being and it's because of him having a mother and a relationship with a mother that made him develop a relationship with padme in my opinion and also he never had a father he almost had a father figure you know qui-gon jinn would have been not only his master but his surrogate father he was going to train him and you know you could argue that if if qui-gon continued the training didn't die and get killed by darth maul Maybe Anakin would have had a better life and wouldn't have turned to the dark side, but then he wouldn't have been the prophesied one. So it had to happen, you could say. But Qui-Gon would have been his surrogate father. And, you know, Obi-Wan took on the mantle of training Anakin, but he was never a father figure to Obi-Wan. They were brothers. They bickered. They fought. Well, there was a time when Anakin was quite young that he looked up to Obi-Wan as a father-like figure and, and even worshipped him. But then they became. But then, brothers. as they he aged up, they did become very much brothers in a way. And competitive. Yeah. And also, Obi Wan didn't want to train him. He just took it on out of respect to Qui Gon, you could say. And because he's the chosen one, I'll do it. You know, Qui Gon was my master, so I'll be Anakin's master. What a great ending to Phantom Menace when it's the celebration and he says, "I'm going to train you." And then um, you see Palpatine. He's just like he knows. He's like just laying the chessboard out. He's I've been like, I've been planning this for. I've been playing this out all week, son. <laughs> <laughs> Training day. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it's just interesting to think about. So Palpatine's plan. Why did he not train the boy himself on the dark side? Did he have to? So 
So he, he had to infiltrate the Jedi. He had to make him, this boy a Jedi to get his plan to really work. Like he couldn't so just he, he couldn't had, like just trade him as a Sith. He had to take the like Jedi out from the inside. It's genius. Uh-huh. So he had to get someone who would become a very powerful Jedi, then turn him when he's at the height of its power, his power, and then because he's able to do that, Order sixty six, the Jedi are destroyed almost because of Anakin's power and strength. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you can't you can't just go two Siths going against all the Jedi. You're gonna lose every yeah, time. Yeah. He, he can't like bring him up like Darth Maul. Yeah. That's why he's yeah. a brilliant politician as well. He's been planning this all week, son. He's been planning it for decades. <laughs> all decades, this son. Is, this he's been planning this for decades. Destroy the Jedi from the inside out. So in a way, Palpatine is Anakin's father. I mean, to an extent, kind of. yeah. You yeah. Could, yeah. He created his life basically. Yeah. And he chose this mother in particular. He wanted Anakin to be born into slavery, to feel that anguish, to feel that pain and that trauma as like a starting off point for his path towards evil. So he specifically chose this woman in this slave community on this planet because he thought that this would be the best circumstances to create a damaged human being. And also he easier to control. He's been a slave his entire life, obviously born on Tatooine to the huts in slavery. And then you can argue Anakin becomes a slave to the Jedi Order to an extent. And yeah. then also he eventually becomes a slave to the Sith, to the dark side, and just becomes basically an attack dog for Sidious because his real plan eventually becomes to, I'm going to replace him with Luke Skywalker as my next apprentice. So he's been a slave his entire life. And I wonder, did Palpatine have a hand in Anakin's mother's death? Or was it just by chance and happenstance? I'm sure. It was, it could, I wonder. I'm not sure. I, I I think it might. Be, I mean, it would make sense if he had if he played a part in causing her death to cause that pain within Annie. Yeah, probably. It, it has. It only makes sense, you know. It's so cute how you call him Annie. Oh, Annie. Like Padme. <laughs> but Palp- Palpatine's plan is absolutely genius, but it backfires on him. But so and so that's actually speaking of Padme. That's another thing that. They did an okay job of exploring in the films, but it's so much more fleshed out in the shows where you, the audience gets to really see how important Aunt Padme is to him and how intense their love is, which makes his turn to save her so, make so much more sense. Because I think that in terms of on-screen on chemistry, Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen were lacking. And in terms of the dialogue, that was lacking as well. So... A a con I have to the prequels is the romance never felt quite right, and they they very rarely felt like they had a connection, chemistry, or a true relationship. It was it just seemed kind of forced. And I I, pun intended pun intended. (laughs) So that's something that I think if that had been done better in the films in two and three, ultimately that would have helped service Anakin's turn of desperation, turning to Darth Vader turning into Darth Vader to save Padme. And that's clearly much more fleshed out in the shows where you see so many more interactions and so much more story built upon their relationship. Plus, they have a lot of awkward moments in the movies. Yes, lots of awkward. Even when they're together. And I think, you know, it's a beautiful, like, secret romance, and that's always alluring and great for a story. And they have the secret wedding and the secret pregnancy. And, you know, the the age difference isn't huge. It's five years. Anakin's nine. Because she was so young already. She's 14 when yeah. they met. And, you know, um, but by the time it's episode two, they're both of age. So the thing with Anakin and Padme, does his love for Padme turn too much into obsession? 
He is a little obsessed in Attack of the Clones, I will say. Because <laughs> it's the, thing, a little the thing with him is You're right. he gets her love, but he still kind of almost doesn't accept it. And, and ironically, he becomes even more closed off to Padme as time goes on. And as they remain together, he becomes more difficult to love. Keeping secrets. Yeah, yeah. and, and he's, he doesn't really accept it. Like, you have everything you want. You're, you're with the love of your life. Or is your love now just become so much about obsession? I wouldn't say obsession, but... I think his love is is still shrouded by fear. The fear of losing Padme is ultimately the most powerful emotion he feels because he lost his mother. He is horrified of le- losing Padme, the next person he's devoted and in, in love with. And I think because of that past experiences, experience of losing his mother, that fear inside of him is so palpable and so strong that it's what keeps him distance from her. It's what keeps him uh, allured by Palpatine. And ultimately, like we said, we all know it turned him. It's really, I think, the fear that keeps him pushing her away. Yeah, I mean, by the, by the third film, Anakin has... His, his life is pulled in multiple directions. He's pulled towards Padme. He's pulled towards Palpatine and being coerced with this new dark side of the Force that he's curious about to preserve Padme's life. He's... You know, pulled to the Jedi Council, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Empire, the Republic. So he's like being pulled in five, six six different directions of where he should focus his energy at. And he obviously decides to choose preventing Padme's death out of fear. So he'll do anything to do that. And it's also, he's very much motivated by validation. And in the second film, he's very arrogant. In the third film, he's less, I wouldn't say arrogant, but very confident. He had the negative arrogance of being so talented at a young age that he actually had to grow out of. And by training Ahsoka and things like that, being a master to a Padawan, that actually evened him out. It taught him responsibility and leadership. It made him grow as a character, and it, it made him appreciate uh, everything a little bit more. So then he became more less arrogant. I think by the third film, his arrogance is gone, and he's just a very capable, confident man. But... These traits, they, st- they can start negative and then you can improve upon them and you can turn them into strength. Th- these problem traits can turn into strengths. Like, he does turn a few into strengths, but then other traits, they get worse in the extremely negative way by the third film to the point where it's, it's irreversible in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It is re- irreversible because I think that's what makes Darth Vader so evil is by the time he becomes Darth Vader, you know, after he loses that fight to Obi-Wan and gets the suit, the new limbs and everything, and, you know, when we see him in A New Hope and what he does in the original trilogy, this super evil and merciless person, monster in a lot of ways, it's it's basically because he's he's just so aware of how evil he's become and what he's done, he just can't stop becoming more and more evil because once he's taking his first step in that direction there's no going back i i'm i and also on top of that the other emotion that gets worse i meant to mention it was the validation the need for validation which i started with that need for validation it starts pretty innocently you know he's a teenager he's stubborn he doesn't want to be told what to do but then by the third film the val the lack of validation from the other jedi not being called a master being put on the jedi council but only as a knight he feels as though, since he's not being validated for who he is, 
He is the chosen one. He's, he thinks of himself as the most powerful Jedi alive. How can they not appreciate me? And that becomes of fiercely strong negative emotion within him. And that is one of the most important turning points for him against the Jedi is his lack of validation from them. Yeah, and lack of acceptance. And to him, he's treated sort of like a kid. He, they won't let him join the Jedi. He won't, they won't let him become a Jedi Master. He's a Jedi Knight, but not a Jedi Master. They want him to buy on Palpatine, and him and Palpatine are developing a relationship. Yes, Palpatine gives him validation. Palpatine does, and Palpatine gives him that father figure quality that he's been searching for since... Qui-Gon died and since he became you know similar in age to Obi-Wan Kenobi so he's been looking for guidance looking for a father figure and here's this guy Palpatine who's a very well respected person he's he's in the senate everyone adores him he does right by his people and he starts to whisper things in his ear and he basically becomes an agent for Palpatine against the Jedi Order because he poisons the Jedi against him and also I think the Jedi's fear of Anakin is one of their biggest faults and biggest follies, which is why it pushes Jet uh, uh, pushes Anakin to the dark side. Is they won't accept him because they're afraid of him. Yeah, I think that. I think Mace Windu is the the least accepting of of Anakin in a way. At least that's where I can tell from the performance in the films. I mean, in terms of acceptance of becoming a Jedi Master, Obi Wan's up there as well. Obi Wan argues against. Anakin becoming a Jedi yes, Master. But Obi-Wan, it's it's Obi-Wan understands Anakin and understands his flaws in terms of the duel in the show is a good example of he showcases some of Anakin's faults of why he isn't ready to be a master quite yet in terms of being too aggressive, of fighting to win, of needing to to win, and fighting to in a way kill. And Obi-Wan takes advantage of that. Whereas I think Mace and maybe some of the other Jedi Council, they look at Anakin as he could be a possible threat to us. Yeah. But they, sh I mean, it's their own fault. They should have done a better job of uh, maintaining some kind of personal relations with him and making him feel uh, seen. But I think a bunch of them are old dudes. They're yeah. like, he's just a kid. But they're pretty old. But if, if, they had, if they had welcomed him better, he clearly... It wouldn't have turned out the way he, it did because he clearly felt like he didn't have a home or or people who cared about him. Yeah, he was basically rejected in, in his eyes by the Jedi Council, and he grew to hate them. He felt like an outcast. And maybe some of them decided, you know, maybe this guy isn't the chosen one, you know? I think that— And they were obviously wrong. I think they knew it. They were just afraid. I think they were afraid of what he could become. And also, you know, the mistake of having him get close to Palpatine. Well, they didn't. Know, they didn't know who Palpatine was, but it was yeah, it was a, true. But I mean, still, because Palpatine's is, so powerful that he was able to hide his force power from Jedi who were right next to him without them understanding or feeling who he was. Well, that's absolutely true. But you know, this is this character becomes fully aware of his evil, and even I love like obviously Order sixty six is horrific, but the shots of Anakin with the hood on going to murder and kill, crazy intense. That's one of the best. Um, sequences of the entire prequel trilogy, uh, Order 66. But I also really love the Tusken Raider slaughter. That's it's pivotal to his character. Like that was the turning. That was the real turning point. And then from from the rest of, because motivated by the fear of losing his mother, and then motivated by complete revenge. But then after that, 
He felt intense guilt and shame for what he did, and that just brewed within him even worse. And then it wasn't until Order 66 where he murdered again. But also, he, he, did, he did murder Count Dooku. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he murdered Dooku. That's one of the biggest moments that led him on his path to Do the it. dark side, Do which it. we'll get into in a little bit. I have a whole list that I made. But how about we take a break, we'll head to our intermission, and then, then we'll get back to Darth Vader and Anakin Do Skywalker. It. Now, before we continue— Jim, let's— Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your family and friends. Do it. It's the best way for our show to grow organically and grow in general. So definitely, everyone you know who likes movies, send them the show that you love so much because we appreciate it. And you can also leave us those five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes. They help us get seen by new people as well as we love reading the written reviews on Apple Podcasts out in the show. I'll get to one in a minute. And also becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a subscription-based form of support for our show that you get bonus content. We have over 200 bonus episodes on Patreon that every single patron has access to. We do two a week. There are five tiers of membership, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every tier gets better and better with the perks that you get. For It's the best way to support our show financially patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thank you for everyone who supports us around the world. And also, Patreon is now available on Spotify. We have a Spotify Patreon page called Raiders of the Lost Patreon, so you can listen to all of our bonus episodes there on the Spotify app. So clever. Our episode is also sponsored by, of course, our friends over at movieposters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable. They have a ton of Star Wars posters, all sorts of movies and TV shows and characters from the Star Wars universe in their poster library, so be sure to get them over at MoviePosters.com with our promo code RAIDERS10. We have dozens of these posters all over our set, all over our home. Very high quality, very affordable, and we also do a bi-monthly poster giveaway with MoviePosters.com. We're going to do one next week, so stay tuned for that. Congratulations to our previous winner. Now, let's get back into our intermission, Jim. And start with our movie quotes competition. You ready? Ready. The future has not been written. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. I wish I could believe that. Does one character say all that? The future has not been written. There's no fate but what we make for ourselves. I wish I could believe that. Last Samurai. No, it's John Connor and the Terminator. Oh, nice. Oh, like during one of the narration. Yeah. All right, here's my quote. Me, I'm dishonest, and a dishonest man you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to watch out for because you can never predict when they're going to do something incredibly stupid. It's a great piece of dialogue. It's a great movie. I'm not sure. It's Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Great, great movie. All right, guess this. We should do those again. We should. Because we did those in like our first couple of months. There's a lot of movies Long we should time. revisit. <laughs> guess this movie release year. Train Spotting. 1998. 96. Uh. Guess this movie release year. Black Hawk Down. 2000. And one. And one. I didn't finish my sentence. <laughs> I wasn't done, man. Shut I wasn't up. done. Shut up. You cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Get out of here. Movie pop quiz time. Who directed Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi? Fuck. It's the, you know, you know who it is. The guy. You know, you know who it was. I mean, do I have to say it? Yeah, you gotta say it, do I, I mean, we all know. We all know do it, you, though? it was Robert Paulson. <laughs> His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> I don't know. Richard Marquand. Of course, Marquand. Yeah. We talked about when we did our episode. Yeah, I clearly don't remember. I clearly don't. But I mean, not, not a lot of people could get that answer, I think. All right. Who we got for hate? Or are you, you got a quiz? How many Ridley Scott movies has Orlando Bloom acted in? Huh, let's see. Black Hawk Down. Has Ridley Scott hasn't made any of the Hobbit movies or Lord <laughs> of the Rings. He made all the Pirates movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, one. Eh, Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, crap. I forgot about Kingdom mm-hmm. of Heaven, man. It's the fucking lead. Movie's sick. Oh, it's so I fucking love that movie. All right. Raider haters, haters, unsubscribes, what we got? Oh, yeah. All right. In our movie news episode, NJ Robert wrote, didn't Leo play a French poet, Arthur Rimbaud, in Total Eclipse? Also played gay. Did you miss this movie? Unsubscribed. Well, the context here is Anthony was curious if Leo had ever done, done an accent yeah. outside of South African. I've never seen that movie. I'm going to have to look it up. I've never seen that. All right. <clears throat> It's just a funny one. Cole Stewart, we were talking about the bad letterbox reviews for uh, Equalizer and Gran Turismo. And Cole wrote, most accurate description of letterbox users. They got that two-star rating ready. They do. <laughs> uh, that, that would crack me up. With silly one-line review. Yeah. Next up, Bolt it's like, Trout. It's <laughs> like Undoing could be better. <laughs> okay. Trailer, seen, trailer, seen for the, better. trailer for the next movie. <laughs> seen better. Okay, movie. Seen better. <laughs> Bull Trout wrote in my Scorsese ranking, Irishman before gangs unsubscribed. I I mean Your ranking was a, it was good, but like I don't agree with it, man. Nobody's gonna agree with anyone's rating of it. No, I know, but like it's an impossible ranking. So here's is. the problem. There was a lot of like there was some negative feedback of people saying, like, how could you put uh, whatever I put 14th as his worst movie, and I'm like, you clearly don't know that he made 12 other movies other than this list. It's just all I could fit in the square True. of Instagram. So True. people complain, but they haven't even seen all their mov- all those movies. Yeah. And I guarantee you they haven't seen The Color of Money. Guarantee you. Most people probably haven't seen half the movies on your ranking. Yeah, Anthony exactly. did Scorsese's top 14 rank. Yeah. yeah. Just as much as I could fit on a Instagram post, so I could only fit half his filmography. You know, you could do two images on Instagram, right? I didn't want... No, I did too. Yeah. You did them all. On Twitter, they said that. Because I only posted the one image on Twitter. Because with Twitter, it's, if you want to get multiple images without them getting cut out, they have to be widescreen. So. Annoying. <laughs> and then King TK, uh, he said, uh, unsubscribed, need a reason to say it, just because. Just because. <laughs> I love it. And then I posted about the Killers of the Flower Moon poster. I said it was awesome. Tommy Stark wrote, what? No floating heads? Unsubscribed. <laughs> it's a great poster. There's two of them. Yeah, it's cool because it fits both uh, three themes of the land, blood, and oil as the background of the character portraits. So I thought it was really smart. And they're beautiful painted images. Yeah. You know? I thought they were really nice, but they got so much hate online. Everything. Someone actually hate. commented, You're, is, this a, is this an ironic post? You could 
you could make a post that you cured cancer and people would hate on it. <laughs> yeah, who cares, guy? <laughs> but I thought they were nice. We have a great five-star review on Apple from Shanich. Great time. These guys love movies and have fun talking about them. They have easily become one of my fave pods to listen to and one of my fave accounts to interact on X. Stupid name. <laughs> talking about Twitter. I have shared this pod with friends because I want to share the good time these guys bring in their love of movies. Oh, yeah. Sean, we appreciate it. Appreciate it. And sharing the show, again, is the best way for a podcast to grow. We learned that at our convention that we went to at Spotify. So please share the fucking shit out of the show. <laughs> yeah, we were taking notes there. Now, my streaming recommendation is going to be a TV series that I finally started watching on Hulu. The Bear. It's excellent. I'm going to start watching it now. Should. You said great things about it today. I'll send you the login info. Oh, yeah. Send me your Hulu stuff, man. I will. Give me your shit. I recommend, not a streamer, but two new releases that I really loved. Gran Turismo and The Equalizer 3. If you're going to the movies sometime this week, I recommend those two. They're just classic, kind of old school kind of action movies and sports movies. And I just had a blast with both films. And I think you'll like them too. So I recommend checking those movies out. All right, let's get back into Darth Vader and Anakin. Vader. Where should, where should we continue? Where, what were we just talking about? Well, before we get into the story, I made this. Gr- I, I got this graph from Wikipedia, which Very I official. shouted out earlier. Wikipedia. It's the Jedi Order Master Apprentice relationship. And so it's an order of who trained who. I thought it would be fun to just Sounds shout cool. Out. So Yoda is at the top of the list. He trained uh, Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan. Mace Windu, and then some younglings. And this is just like a, it's a very small list. Also, uh, he trained Luke Skywalker. And then Count Dooku actually trained Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, I didn't know that. He trained Qui-Gon Jinn. The dark side. Yeah. And then Qui-Gon Jinn, obviously we all know, trained Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan trained both the Skywalker boys, Luke and Anakin. I would have liked the set. Great reference. That's an obscure. What happened to no more Harry Potter references? (laughs) I couldn't help. Dude's quoting Slughorn after he attacks me. I've never had an opportunity (laughs) to use that quote before. That's Slughorn talking about the the Black Brothers. How I'd have liked the set. I'd have liked the set. That was a great reference, man. (laughs) That was a great reference. And then Luke obviously trained Ben Solo, and he also trained Ray. But Luke also trained his sister Leia. And then we have Anakin trained Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. I'm, I'm, I'm not done. I'm done. See you later. <laughs> oh, my God. Anthony should get canned. He can't pronounce anything from Star Wars. <laughs> Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> they just unsubscribed Lukey, Lukey we, we just lost half our fan base. Lukey Skiwalker. <laughs> lucky. Luke K? It's lucky. And then Luke actually, I forgot to mention, trained... Little Din Grogu. Aw. <laughs> For like a week. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually have a... Comp- I-, I wanted to bring up... Because I was really fascinated so, since we didn't read the books or comics or watch the shows. What was Darth Vader up to between 3 and 4? If you'd like to hear a couple of the highlights I'm really of interested. his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His career as a evil guy. In addition to obviously Rogue One, right? Yes, 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 yes. This is even before that. So... Darth Vader defeated a Jedi Master named Karak Anaphala so that he could take his lightsaber crystal. This is one, this Jedi Knight was 
one of the best fighters with the lightsaber, and it actually worked to his detriment because he didn't train in the Jedi Order in any other way except for lightsaber battle. So it was actually a very difficult battle for Vader. He actually um, broke his robot knee. He had to get it repaired and, and then fight him again. But he ended up defeating the Jedi Knight and stealing his crystal for his own saber. That's something that also would have been cool to see is that uh, Anakin building his own lightsaber. But also... Because Anakin is such a great engineer, he actually built and modified his suit mostly himself. So his robotic suit, even though he's given that suit by Palpatine throughout the course of the couple of decades after uh, Episode 3, he did make a ton of modifications and adjustments to his suit himself, personally. He also eliminated the Jedi librarian, Jacosta Nu, who is a very powerful Jedi and, and held and guarded lots of Jedi knowledge. So Vader, in between 3 and 4, also took control and leadership over the Sith Inquisitors. And they helped join him on his mission to track down remaining Jedi. So the Grand Inquisitor and the Inquisitors are seen in the most recent Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. But Vader was their commander for some time. Although neither party really trusted the other, they, could, they did have benefits to use one another. However, even though the Inquisitors were very powerful... They never fully trained in Jedi and Sith ways, so they were always like a compromise in a compromised situation when they battled them. So Vader was easily able to overpower them. Um, bunch of bounty bounties were placed on his head. He actually worked as a bounty hunter sometimes for Palpatine. There's also an instance where Palpatine was being swarmed by an army of like giant alien locust bugs, and Vader fended off the entire army to protect Palpatine. Yeah, well, Anakin was so powerful, and Vader was so powerful that he could take on legions of warriors. He actually joined up with Moff Tarkin a couple of times to take down other baddies and rivals in the galaxy. He... He's, like a, he's basically an enforcer. That's yeah. what he becomes. He transformed the 501st Legion of the, uh, of the Empire into Vader's Fist, which is the unit that he personally commanded. The... There's a moment where he asked Mosk Moff Tarkin to try and hunt him, hunt him down for sport, which sounds pretty fun. <laughs> he also obviously built his fortress on Mustafar with the help of the ghost of Darth Maumon. And so once this was built, this is where he liked to spend his vacations. <laughs> Got a summer home. <laughs> Mustafar. Vader famously dueled his former apprentice Tano on Malachor. This is an instance where she, they did not recognize each other at first, but then she sliced open the face of his helmet, revealing his face, and they finally saw each other face to face. He, her former master, and she, her, his former Padawan. And then there's a cool moment where Vader actually battled an Ender Behemoth monster on horseback. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, those are some cool things he got into. He also had a couple of fantasy football teams. <laughs> now he got into bocce. When it comes to when it comes to the movies, let's talk about the biggest moments that pushed him to the dark side. So obviously, avenging his mother, killing the Tuscan Raiders, falling in love with Padme, causing him to fear losing Padme, killing Count Dooku under the command of Palpatine. Cutting his freaking head off. Do it. Do it. Savage. Being denied the rank of Jedi Master and eventually 
told to spy on Palpatine. Also told that he's too reckless and aggressive. Coming to hate the Jedi and the Council. Getting too close to Palpatine to be coerced and whispered in his ear about things about these dark force users. Stopping Mace Windu from killing Palpatine and saving Palpatine's life. I need life. him! He's too dangerous to keep alive! Declaring allegiance, obviously, to the Sith, and then Order 66. Killed lots of little kids lots. after that. <laughs> Savage, dude. So those are some of the biggest moments that pushed him to the dark side in the movies. Yeah, and then there were always hints at his, his that na dormant nature within him in terms of his aggressive fighting style. His, he was a very much a rebel in his training. He liked to bend the rules. He liked to rebel against um, ideologies in the Jedi Order. And it's something that Obi-Wan was constantly uh, fighting with him over his kind of like reckless abandon and his willingness to do it his way, which was always like a hint that he could never be controlled. Anakin, that's, I think that's a, a big point the Jedi never understood about him, that they would never be able to control him. And, and, and Obi-Wan did, did the best he could. And I also don't think that Qui-Gon Jinn could have done it to the point where Anakin was too far gone, he was too old, and there's too much trauma in his past that he still remembered and, and latched onto. And then after the death of his mother, there was no way he was ever going to be tempered by the Jedi. Plus, the way he was created was through the dark side. Yeah. And they didn't obviously know the origins of Anakin Skywalker and what created him. So obviously he has the dark inside of him deep down, which obviously comes out eventually. And it's so interesting, the light versus the dark when it comes to Anakin. And, you know, he went to the dark side for Padme to prevent her death and save her. And so he would never lose her. And then he returned to the light for his son, Luke. Oh, yeah. So in terms of the prophecy, I was actually curious. I just looked it up. Who made it and where it came from? So the prophecy of the Chosen One was an ancient Jedi legend told, that foretold the coming of a powerfully Force-sensitive being who would restore balance to the Force. The prophecy was one of hundreds of obscure legends maintained by the Jedi Order, though its origins remain unknown. It was thought to have been created by the earliest Jedi philosophers after the creation of the Galactic Republic, but before the Jedi assumed an active role in it. This now makes me believe for certain that uh, James Mangold's Star Wars films are going to have this in it. Interesting. Is he actually going to make them? Yeah. I thought that that was all being scrapped. No, he's doing the Origins of the Jedi film. Origins! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was announced um, during... Um, what's it called? Because so many things event. have been black. I mean, blacklisted. Those are and then that. That one's fine though. Turned off. It's the Taika Waititi one. I think that that might have gotten taken down. But it's interesting that there's no. This it, there's no idea who this stemmed from in terms of who made the prophecy and where exactly it came from. I think I would like to figure. I would like to know what that what started it. Well, there's so much lore to to mine for movies and TV and. You know, I think they can come up with some great ideas for films. So it was literally written, um, a Jedi will come to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. That's what was written um, in the records. I have a question for you. Yes. Do you consider Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker to be two different people? I would say 
That's a good question. Because in a way, Anakin... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's split personality. Uh, but I agree with the borderline personality disorder that he's been diagnosed with. He's, it's not like it's not like the movie Split, where it's two personalities in his in his mind. But I think it's it's a representation of two paths he could have gone down. And Vader is one of the paths, and Anakin is another one of the paths. And in a way, I think that ultimately he's always Anakin. But Vader is a literal and figurative mask that he wears. He, I think, he becomes Vader. I don't think he had two personalities. I don't think there are two um, ideas within the, with the within the one human being. I think that he chooses to become Vader. He choose. It's a representation of him choosing evil. Yeah, I see a lot of people say that Anakin and Vader are two different people in terms of his acts. It's, and see, his that's actions. like you're saying it's, it's like Gollum and Schmeagol, where it's definitely two it's different. It's too convenient yeah. to say that Anakin is Vader because, and like Vader did all these horrible things because Anakin did horrible things as well. Exactly. That's and my also, point. they're both responsible for the death of Padme, and that's and then it's too convenient because he becomes Anakin again at the end of Return of the Jedi and saves Luke. So was so technically Anakin wasn't dead. He was there the whole time. So I think it's too convenient to say that they're two different people and say that oh it's Darth Vader doing all these horrible things, not Anakin. But I think they're synonymous. Yeah, I think that's I reject that completely because a character like I said earlier that you could say that with is Gollum and Smeagol, two personalities fighting for control, and it's a struggle within the one being. Of Smeagol versus Gollum, and there's always that push and pull. One takes control, the other takes control, uh, and that's where and where you can say there are two personalities fighting to dominate this body. But Anakin and Darth Vader is not even close to the same thing. I think it's just one human being. It's just Anakin Skywalker. Darth Vader is who he becomes. It's a moniker, and it's kind of like basically a rebirth of turning into a new kind of person turning into this new being turning into this new name and it's basically like a crowning ceremony obviously but i would say it's an evolution more than a whole wholly new being i would say yeah it's an evolution of the character i'd like to talk about padme's death as well so this happens on mustafar it's the catalyst where she's pregnant and anakin discovers her with Obi-Wan and obviously thinks the worst things possible. You take her from me! <laughs> and cho force chokes her until she collapses on the ground and faints. Doesn't kill her then, but she dies after childbirth. A lot of people say that she died of a broken heart to see what had become of Anakin. Do you believe that she died of a broken heart? Or do you take the opinion that I have where I think that Palpatine killed Padme to give her life force to Anakin while he was recovering? So, I don't like, I mean, the idea of a broken heart, dying with a broken heart, it does kind of make sense. It's a silly notion, but she's in an extreme situation. She just gave birth. There was a difficult pregnancy, difficult birth. She's very weak. Um, she's um, already extremely vulnerable. So, I think that uh, extreme depression could have an even worse effect on that. A lack of a will to live to, to prevent her from recovering is a way of explaining that. I I can get behind the Palpatine theory of Palpatine killing her, but the complete lack of any evidence of it that we that we were shown in the film I think prevents me from saying for sure that he killed her. If they had shown a cut between her and Palpatine something a little He's more He's like looking like yeah. Something a little more definitive, but in my head when I watched that movie in the, that 
sequence of events, in no way do I connect Palpatine to Padme just because of the way it was written and edited. I think that if they had shown something, maybe a little hint, I would be like, oh, that, I would totally get behind that. But from what we've been were presented in the film, I would just I just take it as what's given to us as she died of of deep depression. I think Palpatine did it to give her give him the life force of Padme to keep him alive because he to was to keep on, Anakin alive. Yeah, because yeah. Anakin was on the verge of death too. Uh-huh. Yeah, his limbs got cut off. <laughs> but also so that it would appear that Anakin caused Padme's death, further pushing him to evil in the dark side. Evil. So basically framing Anakin to think that he caused Padme's Padme's death. Yes. Not Palpatine. Yeah. I mean, it's a great plan. It's a great plan. But I'm just saying, they didn't show us even a hint of proof of that. Don't gotta. Just a couple looks, baby. Couple looks. Come on. Couple looks. <laughs> there are not a couple of looks. That's Can you pity BS. Darth Vader? Can you pity pity him? I pity Anakin, but not Vader. Um, because if you pity Vader, it means that you're you're basically saying it's okay to kill people as long as you have a traumatic past. Yeah. So you can't you can't pity him. You can't you can't take empathy with him. But you can take empathy with with Anakin, the boy, and Anakin, the teenager, and that's someone who you can uh, pity. Who can re- you can reach empathy with, and who you can feel bad for and feel for and you can understand their decision making but i think that once he he takes the knee to sidious and he becomes darth vader there's there's not an instance where you can um connect with him anymore or you should and you shouldn't understand him anymore because from then on he's a a straight-up murderer and because you're if you say like i i understand him you're saying i understand murder true (laughs) But if you look at the at the perspective of fate, and he kind of in a way had no control of what would become of him because he had to go through this. He had he was the prophesied one. He had to bring balance to the force. He had to destroy the Sith. Can you pity him to the extent where this was supposed to happen to him and he had to just suffer his whole life? I don't think it was supposed to happen that way. I think that the original prophecy intended for him to defeat Palpatine, him defeat Palpatine, but he chose not to at first. And in a way you could say, oh, it was always meant to be this way, but I see it as he, 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 cho- he had the choice and he chose to save Palpatine's life. And it really wasn't, in a way, Luke was the catalyst for saving the galaxy just as much as Anakin was because it was Luke's being tortured by Palpatine that caused Vader to to uh, let Anakin out again. And you could argue that Anakin was what caused Luke to not be swayed by the dark side, seeing what yes. his father had become. Yes. Because As he, was example, en- he was enticed. The, yeah. So one of my problems with the original, with the um, sequel trilogy, is I thought Kylo would have been a more interesting villain, but we never got as much of a fleshed out character as Anakin did. And I think that they missed a lot of opportunity. We were just told everything. Like We were told everything. Yeah. Um, I wish that we could have seen manipulation of him. Especially with Snoke. It's Snoke, right? Yeah. I just didn't like how we had to accept that he was the villain without understanding anything about him. Whereas Anakin and Vader, it's so much more fleshed out. We get so much more. Especially in the prequel trilogy, and I think they just missed an opportunity of if Kylo Ren 
had more story, if we got to see him being manipulated, we got to see him, you know, how he was turned. I think the, the lack of understanding why Kylo was ever turned. Like, why was Kylo turned? I think that you're absolutely right, and it would have been super beneficial to that movie to Force Awakens if you open with a prequel segments like kind of Raiders of Lost Ark, Last Crusade, like flashback to Indy and his youth. Like, Kylo and his youth with Luke training to see what happened and or, then go to Rey. It, it actually probably would have been better if Force Awakens was Kylo's downfall. So Ben Kenobi is lead and he's maybe a Jedi, and then he falls into the dark side. That could have been his villain story. That's too hard, man. They just photocopied A New Hope instead. So that was my... I mean, Kylo was cool. Adam Driver's fantastic. Uh, his saber's badass. However, how the fuck did he get turned? Just because. Well, if, you, if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, it's 1977, and it's just a rewrite. It's just it just looks different. Yeah, you know you shop. It's shot for shot. What's what's Kylo Ren's opening? Getting off his ship and coming to attack people, just like Vader in New Hope. I know, but still, they could have. I mean, I just yeah, think, they, they don't want to work that hard. <laughs> it, I don't know why you think that these studios want to work so hard. They actually want to actually work hard and write a story. No, they they're just gonna take the original and just yeah. basically rewrite it. Force Awakens would have been so much better if Kylo was a Jedi who fell into becoming a Darth Sith by the end of the film, and we see the the deconstruction of his psyche by Snoke because the lack of understanding how he was turned is what is makes his character so much weaker than Vader and Anakin because Anakin there are so many layers to his character that lead to his turning to the dark side it's so well fleshed out and there are so many points you can you can things you can point to like we have been but with Kylo there's literally nothing he he grew up like his parents separated is that it angsty <laughs> he's an angsty teen yeah it's, it's because luke attacked him is that i mean and you would think that because he's the blood of skywalker that he would have be protected more yeah you know that they would be aware that he might be there might be attempts to penetrate his mind yeah i uh, ultimately i think it was a mistake to make a, a skywalker kenobi a villain but that's what they did it could have been better with just a different villain. But if since they did go that route, I think the lack of understanding what even drew, drove Kylo to that uh, decision was silly. Whereas You mean Skywalker Solo? You said Kenobi. Oh, sorry. On Solo. Solo. Um, Unless, I mean, there's some uh, affair going on. <laughs> um, then, I, I, I mean, they did such a better job with Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. Obviously, in the original trilogy, we don't get that backstory too much about Vader. But it's because he's not the, it's not his movie. It's Luke's movies. Yeah, and then we do learn so we much. Get three movies about it. Yeah, yeah, we get the prequels, and they could have combined that with uh, the sequel trilogy. So I think that's one of the weakest parts of the villains of the sequel trilogy is not understanding Kylo Ren whatsoever. Yeah. But what's really cool is that Vader actually battled the Knights of Ren multiple times between episodes three and four. He, um, they were a rival of his, and like the the leader Ren was a rival of his and they fought multiple times so he and so that's where knights of ren come from that's why kylo names himself after them oh no shit yeah. i didn't know that so the knights of ren actually existed before vader was shows up in episode four so that's where that came from i well i do like how he didn't have a darth name that he was just kylo ren i like that yeah not darth ren yeah i think kylo ren's a cool name yeah it is a cool name Speaking of names, 
You want to hear how George Lucas came up with Darth Vader? I know that Vader means father in German, right? Wow. So you don't want to hear it. You're just going to ruin my whole setup. You were supposed to say, I'd love to. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hold on. Rewind. <laughs> father German. So, the creation and development of Darth Vader. According to Star Wars creator George Lucas, he experimented with various combinations of names for the characters built upon the phrase Dark Water. He then added lots of last names, Vader's and Wilson's and Smith's in, just came up with a combination of Darth and Vader. After the release of Empire Strikes Back, Lucas stated that the name Vader was based upon the German-Dutch language word Vater, or Vader, which means father. Suggesting Dark Father and the character's relationship with original trilogy protagonist Luke Skywalker. In other words, which may have inspired the name are Death and Invader. Could have been other possibilities. Anakin and Luke's original surname, Starkiller, remained in the script until just a few months before filming. And when it was, dro- it was dropped due to what Lucas called unpleasant connotations with Charles Manson and like, stuff he talked about involving Starkiller. And so they replaced Starkiller with Skywalker. Which do you like better? Skywalker. It's great. Skywalker is an awesome name. Starkiller is cool, but it's better like just as a movie title. Yeah. Now, in the first draft of the Star Wars, the original title, a tall, grim General Darth Vader was already close in line with his final depiction of the film, and the protagonist, Anakin Starkiller, had a, a role similar to that of Luke Skywalker. Originally, Lucas conceived the Sith as a group that served the Emperor in the same way that the Schlutzstaffel served Adolf Hitler. In developing the backstory for The Empire Strikes Back, however, Lucas condensed this into one character in the form of Vader. So Vader and Anakin were actually separate people, but he made them one. After the success of the original Star Wars film, Lucas hired science fiction author Lee Brackett to write the sequel with him. They held story conferences by late November, 20, by late November 1977, and Lucas had produced a handwritten treatment, which he wrote, When we kill Vader in the third film, we'll reveal that he wants to be human. He's still fighting in his own way the dark side of the Force, Lucas considered, also introducing a new lair for Vader to replace the Death Star. That's how they came up with Mustafar. Now, in Lee Brackett's original draft, Luke's father actually appears as a ghost to instruct him. It was never Vader at first. Lucas was disappointed with Brackett's script, but she actually died of cancer before he could discuss it with her. Amongst other issues with the first draft, Lucas found Vader's characterization unsatisfactory, too much dialogue, too much exposition near the beginning, and without a writer available, Lucas wrote the next draft himself. Now, in this script, dated April 1978, he utilized a new plot twist. Vader claims to be Luke's father. According to Lucas, he found this draft very enjoyable to write as opposed to the year-long struggle of writing A New Hope, which he actually hated doing. Lucas said that, the new Vader, that he knew Vader was Luke's father while writing the first film. He couldn't really figure it all out, though. And then that relationship is obviously explored after Empire Strikes Back. So, it's, yeah, very interesting how such iconic characters and moments in sci-fi history were very different. Like, it's isn't that fascinating? I think that the original plan was Anakin was supposed to be a different character from Vader. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like I, I like what they came up with, but I like the the transformation and the metamorphosis of the characters. Also, in an early draft of Return of the Jedi, Luke actually kills Vader and he takes Vader's helmet and proclaims, "Now I am Vader." 
That's Isn't cool. that crazy? That's cool. <laughs> that's wild. That's cool. <laughs> Cut his head off. Jeez. <laughs> and now some other drafts, some other different stories were Anakin had been Obi-Wan Kenobi's brilliant student and had a child named Luke, but was swayed to the dark side by Palpatine. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I moved ahead real quick. <laughs> but um, it's really it's really interesting how things seem to have worked out the way they were supposed to for this story. That's how great stories come to be, man. And this one changed cinema forever. And stories forever. 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 Now, you got anything else on Vader? Anakin? Um, yeah, just some portrayal stuff. Okay. So he was portrayed by... Darth Vader was portrayed by bodybuilder David Prowse in the original film trilogy with fencer Bob Anderson performing the character's lightsaber fight scenes. George Lucas thought the six foot six Prowse brought a physicality to Darth Vader that was essential for the character. So Anakin is actually six foot two, but when he's in body armor and boots, he's six foot eight, so he's a monster. He's <laughs> a monster. Lucas chose to also have a different actor be the voice of Vader since Prowse had a strong West Country English accent. And so on set, when performing scenes, people will call him Darth Farmer. <laughs> Lucas originally intended for the famous Orson Welles to voice Vader, but after deciding that Welles' voice was too recognizable, he cast the lesser-known James Earl Jones. Now, James Earl Jones initially felt his contributions to the film were too small to warrant recognition, and his role was uncredited at his own request until the release of Return of the Jedi. When Jones was specifically asked if he had supplied Vader's voice for Revenge of the Sith, either new material or from previous recordings, Jones's answer was, you'd have to ask Lucas about that. I don't even know. Plus, I mean, in, even though he wasn't credited, he got a percentage of gross. Exactly. And insane. in September 22nd, 2022, uh, James Earl Jones retired from voicing the character. However, he sold his voice to Lucasfilm to use digitally forever for an undisclosed amount of money. So the voice of Vader will always be his voice from now on. It's very cool. Regardless of, you know, who's playing him or what the movie or show is. All right. That wraps our episode of Evil Explored. Evil Explored. Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Again, the very best way to support our show is to share us with your friends and family members who love movies and cinema as well share this with your star wars friends absolutely leave those five star ratings on spotify and apple podcasts and become a patron today at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast take care everybody see you next time this episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons cody moen andrew hagan becca keen benjamin cook calvin murphy griggs nicholas martin darian Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.